Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammadin. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi. Wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin. Wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira. Wa sallama tasliman kathiran kathira. Allahumma salli wa sallam baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So the last masla we left off with Yeah, I think the last the last masla we we left off at was uh, um, the the person who is not able to make sajda, um, that person can pray sitting. The person who can't pray sitting uh, with their legs crossed, they pray on the right hand side. If they can't pray on the right hand side, they can lie on their back. And um, whoever cannot make sajda and ruku, they can gesture, even if that gesture has to just be with their with their eyes. Uh, and whatever gesture they make for for uh, uh sajda should be lower or more than the gesture that they make for uh um ruku i'm trying to you talk about the mud and the rain yeah mm-hmm. yeah so after that this this masla is repeated the one that i read um um So if a person is on a a, a, a trip that that uh, um, they can that they're allowed to shorten the prayers on, which is what f- more than how many miles? Thirty two miles, uh, um, and uh, actually it's less than thirty two. It's, it's, it should be less than thirty. Let me do the. I always every single time I always forget and just redo the calculation. So let's see, forty-eight times. Thirty-two miles outside your city limit. Oh, outside the city limit. Your city limit, though. So let, let's say, mm. like not Greater Chicago, then necessarily. Oh. Like, like, where do you live, Hill Park? Yeah, I mean, it's Hill Street. Sure, like, so so thirty-two miles outside, outside of Carroll Street. So like. Yes, actually twenty it's twenty seven point seven miles. It's actually twenty seven point seven miles. So it's a journey of a total of 27.7 miles. There's both opinions in the Madhab. Both opinions in the Madhab, 27.7 miles and 48. The Fuqaha of the, of the, uh, of the Madhab preferred the 30 miles and the Muhaddithun preferred the, the 48. Um, so both opinions are practicable. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. 
both opinions are practicable, but the, 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 the journey that's more than 27.7 miles from your beginning point to your destination point, um, but the hukam, but the, the ruling of being a musafir only starts once you leave your city. It only starts once you leave your city. So, uh, uh, so anyway, whoever is on such a journey... That person, one of the one of the ruchas or dispensations that they receive is that their nawafil that they're praying, they can pray while riding. So that means if you're in the plane, you can pray in your seat. The nawafil, nawafil means non-fard prayers, including witr, anything that's not fard. The word nafil has two meanings. There's a, a general meaning and a specific meaning. The general meaning is anything that's not fard. And the specific meaning is those non-fard prayers that are neither sunnah nor sunnah mu'akkada nor raghiba. So uh, 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 this is the general meaning of nafil, meaning anything that's not far, you can pray it in your seat, whatever direction, whatever direction you're facing. Haythuma tawajjahat bihi in kana safran tuqsal fi salatu wal yutir ala dabbatihi insha'a wala yusalli al farida. So anything other than the fard, you're 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 given the the permission to 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 do that. Now, what if you're driving? Um, some of the ulama say it's okay. Some of them say it's not. The ones who say it's okay, they say it's okay because look, you're, you know, you're you're traveling and you're, uh, uh, you know, in your car, so it should be okay. The ones who object to it, they say that, uh, well, because you're ha- have your hands at the steering wheel and you're checking your mirrors and all that other stuff, you'll invalidate your prayer uh, because of because of all that activity and non-focus on the prayer. So maybe if you're in the passenger seat, it would be valid, but as a driver, it wouldn't be. I think that there is uh, some sort of common sense a person can use in the middle as well. So if you're on like a stretch of highway and you're going to be driving for the next 40 miles, then uh, really all you need to have is one hand on the one hand on the steering wheel, you know, and it's like a clear road. I think that's that's reasonable if you hit the brake a little bit or if you if you change lanes or something like that. I don't think that's enough to get you out of the prayer. Uh, however, if you're in like downtown and you're like racing with somebody and or you're trying to like outrun the cops to get to the state line uh, because they caught your whatever uh, unlicensed, uh, uh, whatever, like Thobe stall, uh, 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 which, you know, only open Thobe stalls with proper licenses and comply with state, local and federal affi- officials and don't try to outrun them to the state line. But if that happens, then that probably won't be a, 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 a scenario in which you're going to be able to pray in your seat. You have to be driving in the direction of the qibla. Yeah, no, it says bihi. So in that in that case also the, the obligation to face the qibla is is is, is waived. Because it's non fard, right? Because not fard. Gotcha. Whereas a fard prayer you should pull over and pray your two rakah standing. Hmm? Like, uh, like this exception only applies for nothing salah, right? Yeah, this exception only applies to those prayers that are not fruit. Wala maridan illa bil ardi illa an ima an limardihi. Falusalli ala dabati bada an tu kafa lahu waistakbil bihal kiblata. Um so uh, uh um the 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 sick person uh, 
should also get down and prey on the earth uh, unless uh, if they're only going to end up only praying by gesture on the floor as well. So there's one thing when you pray sitting and you actually can make sajda. If that's the case and you can do so, then you should get down and pray sitting on the earth. If you're not able to do, if you're just going to sit on the earth and just pray by gesture and not actually be able to do the full sajda, then, then you just pray on the bed. You don't have to get down. This is this is a sick person who's traveling. This is a sick person who's traveling, so he he does he can also pray his he can also pray his prayer on the mount if he's just gonna get down and have to gesture anyway, uh, and so he just stops the mount, faces it toward the qibla, and just prays on top of it. Doesn't have to get down for the fard prayer. For the fard prayer, and then for the nawafil, then he prayed just like uh, just like the other traveler prayed. And this is something. This is something. Uh, you know, pe- you, people in the old days, things were rough, man. Riding an animal is not as comfortable as sitting in a car. You have to like keep your balance so you don't fall off, and the the, the animal moves in a weird way, so you have to keep your back straight. You have to. I mean, it's it, it was it was an exercise. It was just like easier than walking, but it's not like it's not exercise. Um, it requires a lot of core strength. So if you're sick and you had to ride, then anyway, people were a lot tougher back then than they are now. وَمَنْ رَعَفَ مَعَ الْإِمَامِ خَرَجَ فَغَسَلَ الدَّمَ ثُمَّ بَنَا مَا لَمْ يَتَكَلَّمْ أَوْ يَمْشِي عَلَى نَجَاسَةٍ وَلَا يَبْنِي عَلَى رَكَعَةِ اللَّمْ تَتِمَّ بِسَجْزَتَيْهَا وَلْيُلْغِهَا So... A person who has a nosebleed, or for that matter, just some blood starts, you know, they start to bleed or whatever. Um, that person should very gently walk to another part of the masjid. If there's like, for example, you see like the box of tissues or whatever, or uh, if there's some water, you know, close by, uh, um, like a fountain or something. In the old days, the massages used to have courtyards, and there's a fountain in the middle of the courtyard that people made wudu in oftentimes. Anyone ever made wudu from a fountain before? Uh, I made wudu, you know, at um, Millennium Park with the, with the Venus. Mm-hmm. They got the fountains every day. I yeah. made wudu there. Yeah, okay. So, like, yeah, basically, um, the, there are a lot of massages. There's a fountain in the middle, and the fountain has pitchers around it and, like, a drain underneath it. So people would just get the get the water out of the pitchers and then pour the water outside on the limbs and things like that. So if it's something you can just walk while facing the qibla, you just walk very, you know, slowly and softly one step at a time, back to that place, wash the nosebleed or whatever, plug it up, stick the whatever tissues in there, or wash whatever blood you have on your hands, um, then you can do it while in the state of prayer and then go back. But the... Uh, uh, and actually, if you do it in that way where you're facing the qibla and you're uh, walking very softly, actually, you're, you may be technically in the prayer the whole time. You can actually turn around, go... If it's a close place, you can actually turn around and go... And uh, uh, wash your wash the blood out of your your hands and and things like that. As long as you don't talk in the middle, you don't walk and do something to break your wudu in the middle. You don't talk. You don't do any of that stuff. Uh, what you can do is like for example, you prayed two rakahs and your nose started bleeding in the third. You can just go and uh, do whatever it is. And if you get back and catch the imam at the fourth, then you have three rakahs, one and two that you finished, 
Um, the partial rak'ah that you left in you, doesn't count. You have to make that up. But if you catch the imam in the fourth, that one will count. And then you just, after salam, get up and make up the fourth. Um, but this is this is for like where the water or the tissues are close by. And you don't talk in the middle. You don't break your wudu in the middle. You don't do any other action that's going to break the salat other than going to, going to uh, you know, get whatever you need to, to clean up your hands and your nose and things like that. Uh, and this is a, this is a, Malik considers this to be a a a, 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 a hukum special for for nosebleeds or for bleeding. Abu Hanifa, this is his actually fatwa for for salat in general, right? Uh, in the Maliki Madhab, if your wudu breaks in the salat, your salat's gone, done. You just go make wudu and start again from scratch. The Hanafis, they consider, because they consider the, the bleeding to break the wudu, so they consider this to be what you do for every time your wudu breaks. Whereas the Malikis, they consider that the wudu breaks the salat is toast, um, but uh, when the when nosebleed, because we don't consider bleeding to break the wudu, the reason that bleeding is a problem is because the blood is najis. Once it leaves the body, it becomes najis. You can't be, you know, like all bleeding and stuff, and you're praying, you're going to get the blood on the on the floor in the masjid. And all over yourself, and it's you know if you have blood on your person or on your clothes, um, that that's a problem in the prayer. So you're allowed to, if if bleeding, you're allowed to go and take care of that, and then join the rakahs that you complete from beginning to end. Uh, um, you keep the rakah in which you had to leave. You have to make up, and then when you join again, you get to keep the the rakah you caught. So if you can get back to the imam before he makes ruku, you get to keep that rakah as well. Um, and that's for the person who bleeds a lot. If a, if the blood is just a little bit, like you you know it just bloodies one finger or two fingers, then uh, um, you know as long as you can make sajda and finish the prayer without without bloodying the 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 floor of the masjid or whatever, then in, you don't you're not even supposed to then uh, uh, you're not even supposed to go and uh, wash it. You just finish the prayer and be done with it. Hadith of this comes in the Muwatta of Imam Malik. Yeah. What's it called? So what if like... Uh that's fine. That's if fine. you can do it without putting your back toward the qibla, then you're in the prayer the whole time. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? You're in the prayer the whole time. So, for example, if I'm just praying mm -hmm. and there's like tissues like five feet like to the right of me, if I just step to the side while facing the qibla one step at a time, I'm still in the prayer. I haven't broken the prayer yet. Yeah, if you turn away and face away from the qibla, if you have to do that in order to take care of this, then it's like I said, you keep the salat that you've done, the furaka'at that you've done, and then the the raka'at that you left in, you have to make that one up, and then the ones you catch afterward, you get to keep those as well with the imam. As long as you don't do something else, like other than the bleeding and that the going to wash the blood, something else that ruins a prayer, like breaking your wudu, like talking to somebody, like stepping on najis or, or some other type of najis or whatever, uh, as long as you you don't violate those other uh, those other rules. Mm. 
If it's just a little bit of blood, like a little bit of blood in a cut, you know, um, like you scratch something and a little bit of blood came out, or this happens as well. Sometimes there's a mosquito that bites you and you like scratch it or you whatever, and it starts bleeding a little bit. That much is, is forgiven, inshallah. That much you shouldn't leave. You just finish your prayer and just make sure you don't, you don't uh, uh, sully the masjid with uh, impurity. This is one of the benefits in the old days. You know, the 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 original masajids are just the earth. So if somebody drops some nudges on it, you just pour water on it and move the dirt around and it's clean again. Uh, uh, the the masajids that have hasair, the, the, uh, the, that have the woven straw mats, they just take that patch of mat out, throw it out, burn it, whatever, and put another patch of mat in there and it's clean again. Um, with carpets, it's kind of a problem in the sense that that uh, um, you know the stain. You can go ahead and shut the door now. The 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 stain. You know sometimes it doesn't come out properly and this and that. And uh, you you know the najasa sometimes it, it just soaks through to the padding under the carpet. And until you actually like uh, take the carpet out and replace it, it's a problem. Um, you know this is also a mas'ala in the Maliki madhab. It's makru to pray in a place where. The, the place of your sajda is not either part of the earth or something that grows from the earth. So polished stone, carpets, uh, uh, wool, car- wool, skin, these things, it's actually makru, which, you know, I, I noticed this actually, even in Pakistan, the old school masajid and the old school madaris, and I suspect it's the same thing in India and Bangladesh. Um, um, it's definitely like that in Morocco and Mauritania, that they prefer to have woven straw mats rather than carpets or rugs. Um, and uh, I don't know that any other madhab of the madhab of the sunnah keeps this keeps this ruling. I don't I don't know that any other madhab does. This is also the ruling that the Ithna Shari Shias seem to have when they carry their rock around with them. When they when they pray they call it a turba uh, uh, which is a piece of earth that they make sajda on. Um, so you know uh, the the beef between the Ahlul Sunnah and Jama'ah doesn't have to do with the turba. That's actually a, a a piece of fiqh that's not the same, but it's similar. It has a similar origin. The idea that you should make sajda on the earth or on something that grows from the earth rather than on something that's man-made. So they carry rocks around. They carry little little rock around with them to make sajda on, yeah. Mm. So question in the um, Maliki fiqh, you really shouldn't be. Is this like? to really be praying on prayer rugs, we should do it on the... It's mildly disliked. No. Yeah. Okay. It's mildly disliked, very mildly. It's not... I asked the sheikh, I said, should we carry a rock around with us? He's like, no, for like seven reasons. And then and then I'm I'm like, well, should we like, if the masjid or whatever, should we not pray in the masjid? He said, no, pray in the masjid because the, the staying with the jama'ah is a bigger imperative to deen than something else. But if you run a masjid or you build a masjid one day, you should remember these things as well. It's closer to tawadu, it's closer to humility in front of Allah Ta'ala to make sajda in the earth or in something that grows in the earth. The the grows in the earth is permissible. Uh, the earth itself, like like sand, rock, uh, 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 dirt, um, silt, uh, 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 these things, they're, they're, the pebbles, things like that, the, the sajda on them is, is, is recommended. And this is the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. سِيمَاهُمْ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ مِنْ أَثَرِ السُّجُودِ ذَلِكَ مَثَلُهُمْ فِي التَّوْرَةِ That the, 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 the signs, the sahaba radiallahu anhum, 
the sign that you'll see them is that that they they'll have the 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 traces of their sajda in their in their faces which is not this like huge sajda mark people roll around with that's oftentimes just because we're overweight and put too much pressure on our head there are many pious people who don't have a sajda mark i've seen that or it's very subtle that you can you don't notice it some dudes roll around with it like mashallah it looks like uh you know they look like a, like some sort of pious unicorn or something like that if that's you, Mubarak, please make dua for me. But that's not, you know, we're not like going, achieve, trying to achieve that look. If it happens, it happens. But uh, um, the idea is that that, and if you make sajda in the sand, it's almost impossible for it to happen as like bruising your face. However, um, after the slot is over, like in Mauritania, you could tell slot is over how people walk around. They have like that like little bit of sand on their forehead and on the tip, tip, tippy tip of their nose and they've been doing it for so long that it a, not only does it not bother them they even forget it's there oftentimes uh and i imagine maybe the sahaba radiallahu anhum were like that as well and allah ta'ala knows best uh some people mashallah rub their face into the hard ground so much they actually develop cysts in their forehead and then they have to have like surgery to drain them um if that happened to you i'm not like talking smack about you uh, that happens, you know, different people's disposition reacts differently with these types of things. But that's definitely not the objective of the Sharia that everyone should go to the hospital and have a cyst drained from their forehead. Uh, um, the idea of simahum fi wujuhim min sujud, I believe, is the is the, the the sand or the dirt from the earth. Um, so someone's like, you know, what am I gonna do? Because all our massages are carpets. My house is carpet. Go pray in the grass one day. People have a lawn, they have a yard. IFS is like next to it is a huge park. You know, sometimes there are like islands in the parking lot that have grass, patches of grass in it. Go pray, go pray in a park. Oh my God, other people are going to see me. Guess what? They all think you're terrorist weirdos anyway. <laughs> so you may as well read Namaz in the grass. <laughs> They're not going to love you just because you prayed inside an MSI, okay? So keep praying inside an MSI, mashallah, and pray in the grass sometime also. It's a sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And don't be like, oh, this is icky, oh my God, grass is touching my face. But be like, this is what, this is the way our, you know, the pious forefathers used to pray, uh, that that part of the ummah that was better than us. Uh, and and if you're like, oh my God, like my face is getting dirty, that's the whole idea of of putting your face to the ground. It's not, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes think about like, we become so used to the Salat, we even forget what the point is, right? If you're in front of somebody and you put your face to the ground in front of them, what statement does it send? It sends that you're like, that's it, I surrender to you, it's complete humi humility, right? I think we kind of forget, forget that's what it is because we just do it a lot. So it becomes some kind of like weird, like Muslimic yoga pose or whatever for us. And uh, maybe we stretch our back out a little bit, but we don't really think about that. So put your face in the grass or in the in the in the in the in the earth one one time, and when you feel like oh my god, like my face is on the ground, that's remember that's what you were supposed to feel like every slot. Allah Ta'ala forgive us all. Well, uh, well, I fully damin khafif. Well. يفتله بأصابعه إلا أن يسيل أو يقطرا. So like a little bit of nosebleed, if you can just stick a finger in or two fingers in or three fingers, not at the same time, but like one after the other, and it will 
clear the blood out, then just do that and then keep your hand like, you know, from touching the floor or whatever. Um, if it's so much that it will run down your sleeve or it will start to drip, that's that means you need to go and wash and then you can come back if you can come back. Uh, uh, if a person vomits or if a person breaks their wudu, in those cases the prayer is invalid. You don't you don't like keep the prayer that you prayed and then wash up and then come back and join again. Woman Rafa Bada Salam Imam Salama and Saraf. When Rafa Kabla Salamin Saraf Wasla Dam Thumaraja Fajalasa was Salam. So if a person if a person the bleeding starts after the Imam has said their salam, but before they said their own salam, then just however state you're in, just say your salam and you're done. Uh if if the bleeding starts before the Imam start said his salam, then go wash come back sit down and then just say your salam your prayer is done that rakah is done everything just come just come back just to say the salam if that's the time the point at which the bleeding gets so bad that you have to leave the person who is uh, the nosebleed um that person if for example there's no water in the masjid they have to walk across the street to get to their house or whatever and that's the only place where they can wash wash up and they get there without stepping in najis they without talking without breaking their wudu and stuff like that if that person knows in the time it's going to take me to get back to the masjid uh uh my prayer my prayer the, the imam will be done then they can just once they wash up they can just finish their prayer in the in their house this is like for someone whose house is like next to the masjid or like two houses down. Or this is not for someone who's going to get in their car and drive home and all that stuff. Uh, um, this is for, for, for I mean, why would you go home? Because there's no water in the masjid, right? Which is not an issue that we have over here. Um, and that, that, that permission is for every prayer except for Jumu'ah. In Jumu'ah, even if that person has to go to their, goes to their house and knows that the imam is going to be done, they should go wash up and then go back into the Jami'ah Masjid and then finish their prayer over there because Jum'ah is not valid anywhere outside of the Masjid, outside the Jami'ah Masjid, which is a hukum of the Maliki Madhab. The Jum'ah is only valid in a Jami'ah Masjid, meaning not even every Masjid, but the Masjid that, 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 that has Jum'ah in it, validly has Jum'ah in it. And every Misr, every, every metropolis has one Jumu'ah, and when that one Jumu'ah is no longer able to meet the capacity of the people, then it has the second one. And when the second one is not able to meet the capacity of the people, then it has a third one. This uh, fashion that everybody has, that every uh, closet musallah has like, mashallah, three Jumu'ahs now, this is not cool. Uh, if a person has to pray in one of these because of necessity, they can't find Jumu'ah anywhere, I'll tell you it's better than not praying Jumu'ah at all. But if you have the ability to go to a valid Jum'ah, then go to the valid Jum'ah. And this applies to second Jum'ah as well. There's exceptions to that too. What is the exception? One is if the first Jum'ah is, starts before the time comes in for Zuhr, then it's not a Jum'ah at all. Now, I wouldn't be too hardcore about this because it is valid according to an opinion of the Hanbali Madhab, which I, according to our Maliki Usul is a very weak opinion. 
But because their Mashaikh said it, we'll say, okay, we're not going to like be like, haram, you guys are going to hell for this. You guys want to do it that way. You're in control of the masjid board. It's not like you guys are having a ham sandwich, but I wouldn't go to that Juma if I were you. And really, honestly, if you look at the circumstance of the one hadith that that's narrated with regards to Juma being uh, before being prayed before its time, it's a single chain narrated hadith. Whereas the hukum of 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 praying uh, on time it comes through the kitab and sunnah. And like we said in the Maliki usul, a single chain narrated hadith it, it doesn't modify the hukum that is emphatically. وَكَانَ الصَّلَاةُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا A double emphatic uh, 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 commandment to pray prayers in their time. Uh, that's one usuli issue. The second usuli issue is, it only happened once. It didn't happen all the time. And it happened for a specific reason. And that reason isn't because I'm, uh, I'm you know, chicken to tell Bill at work, because Bill probably voted for Trump and like he's going to like whatever, deport me to... Guatemala if I try to tell him to that Juma's at one now. Uh, this type of weak wristedness for most people is a sign of very weak character and uh, uh, not very respectable. And uh, I don't know why we keep giving respect to people who come with this type of logic. If our uh, we respect weak people, then our entire community will become weak. Well, Sheikh, what about in the circumstance where I have no other choice? those one or two people should seek rukhsa from the ulama. But because of those one or two people for the entire community to obviate the requirement of praying Jum'ah on time, or even according to the Hanbali Madhab, at least the, the, the rigorously observed sunnah of all the rest of the Rasul's life that he prayed the Jum'ah before, after the Zawal came in, to jettison the entire sunnah because of one or two people, this is, uh, this is a, 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 a very, a, a very uh, weak uh, uh, way of doing things. And it is not a, a uh, it doesn't indicate a, a mind that understands the law properly. So that's one, that's one example of where the first Jummah for us is not going to count as the first Jummah. The second Jummah will be the first Jummah. Another one is if you have somebody who prays it invalidly. Now we have some cats roll around saying weird stuff, man. We have some cats saying weird, they don't know how to pray properly. They don't know how to make wudu properly. They themselves are open profligate sinners and things like that. In which case the, 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 their salat may be valid, but it's haram to pray behind them. We have people saying that like, yeah, you know, the old uh, uh, interpretations of the mashayikh and the madahib with regards to homosexuality need to be revisited, which... Uh, is close enough of a shubha of kufr that we may not make takfir on the person who said that uh, because the qawaneen and qawaid of takfir are very, uh, are very uh, difficult to... Uh, uh, they're very difficult to uh, bring forth and uh, uh, they give a lot of leeway for benefit of the doubt and they're not the responsibility of anyone except for of the, the ulama of the qawm and generally speaking, takfir is a responsibility people used to run away from. Uh, obviously, if some dude's like, yeah, I believe there's a Nabi who came to Punjab after whatever in the 1800s, that's not a, we don't waffle about that. That's just not a Muslim. It's not Juma. It's just, it's something else. It's whatever. It's, that's, you know, that's basically just like, you know, 
something totally different than Islam. But someone who says weird things like this, like it's mutawatir, it's known that homosexuality is not something that, uh, you know, that's tolerated in Islam. If someone's like, we need to revisit that idea or whatever, then that Jummah is haram to pray behind that person. Just consider the second Jummah, the first one. Uh, uh, so there are some times that, that that's an issue as well. Wa alaikum salam. Juma not being prayed in its right time. Mm-hmm. So I know Juma is not far upon me as a woman, but I go. Mm-hmm. So how do I determine if the masjid is actually praying? Because the kukbah start. We don't count the kukbah, right? No, we, we count the kukbah. Okay, so if they are starting the kukbah way before. If they start the kukbah even a minute before the zawal, then it's invalid. The whole thing is invalid. Wow. Yeah. So this is an issue, right? Uh, now. I submit, mashallah, because everybody uh, loves to hate on, on, on the Desi Ulama, mashallah. But, you know, God bless them. There's a couple of things that they bring a pretty good point with. Mm-hmm. The idea that the Desi Ulama generally have, which is that you have a bayan in the local language that's separate from the khutbah before the, the, the ritual khutbah starts. Mm-hmm. This is a way of solving this problem. So, for example, if you have Juma at like... Um, like 12, what, let's say 12, 12.30, 12.30 year round or something like that, okay. right? So when in the in the winter months, you can start the khutbah early if you want to or not, doesn't really matter, khutbah ban doesn't really matter. In the summer months, you your ban, which is customarily 25 minutes or half an hour or whatever, you can do the ban separate than the khutbah and then do a very quick ritual khutbah and, you know, uh, you know, like people in England, they say, Bob's your uncle, me, everything's good, it's it's all good, it's just all, you know, everything's normal. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and I've done this before. I've done this before that I've stood on the p- pulpit and given a talk, because I'm like Islamic Relief. Okay, we're gonna raise money for orphans. The Islamic Relief spent like five hundred dollars, like flying me somewhere, uh, you know, for a Juma khutbah in the middle of Ramadan. And uh, uh, this is before I worked for them. Right, uh, this happened to me once, and I'm like looking. I'm like, oh, smack, man, these guys. These guys are not doing bayan system. They they insist on having the khutbah start at the time, and that time is like fifteen minutes before zawal. So I just okay, fine, whatever. You guys, you know, uh, you guys is crazy. I'm not. I'm I'm here for the orphans. I ain't here for you. You know. So I'll get up on the pulpit and I'll just start giving a talk. And then once the time comes in, that's where I make the niyyah and I'll actually say the hamd and all that stuff at that time. Some people they may f- think it's awkward, like what just happened here, but most people don't notice. Most people don't notice, Yom Al-Qiyamah, if they're surprised, why is this Jummah valid in my account? You know, they can come look for me, inshallah. <laughs> I'll give them an earful. <laughs> inshallah, all of us, Allah forgives everybody, right? But yeah, that's that's uh, 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 that's that's a, a trick you have to do sometimes just because people insist on just doing things really weird. Um, and for the places of Jummah, you said that. Some places aren't even valid places of Jummah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, the thing, look, the, the, those are differences of opinion. Like, not every difference of opinion is the same. Okay. I consider the difference of opinion of praying praying Jumu'ah uh, 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 before the Zawal comes in, before the, the high noon, to be an extremely weak opinion. There are other opinions like Jumu'ah being valid in a different, you know, in a place outside of the masjid or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, that's the fatwa position of the Shafi'i Madhab. They have their dalil. I consider it not to be a... I, I don't I you know I consider it to be you know uh, not like a, a mega weak opinion. There's some there's some dalil behind it that's like you can be like okay I I kind of get that 
right? But uh, praying before the zawal, that's uh, that's an opinion. That's 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 you know, it's I, I don't know. Allahu alam. I'm not. I mean, I don't want to say this in the, in the sense. Okay, if someone humbly is listening, say, "Oh, this guy's being like a bigot or whatever." I'm not saying that it's like for technically, if it's a difference of opinion, the ulama had in it. There's a limit to how hard you can advocate your own opinion. I would just say that even in the Hanbali madhab, at least you should accept the fact that it's a sunnah to pray, uh, to pray after the zawal. Sunnah muadha, you know, like muakkada, something that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made muadha on, that he never, he, he he did it his whole life, you know. There's an exception, but the rule was to do that. So that should mean something to you, you know. That shouldn't be something you just as cons- consistently make a, you know, consistently ignore it's, there's something wrong is happening when you consistently ignore it deliberately. Yeah. So if the first Juma is actually valid in the sense that after it starts at the khutbah starts after the Zawal, then we should try to catch the first Juma. Yeah. Yeah. The first khutbah is, is there is basically a green light in all other on all ways. Then go to the first one. Don't go to the second one. Don't go to the second one. But you have to make sure it's starting on time, right? Yeah, that's you can do that. ويرسلك قليل الدم من الثوب ولا تعاد الصلاة إلا من كثيره. So a little bit of a little bit of uh, blood if it gets in the clothes and with blood is um, like pass also follows the hukum of blood uh, 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 and the other basically the other bodily fluids that are not from don't come from the come out from the private parts basically um those those bodily fluids that don't come from the private parts they're all in the hukum of blood and uh, a little bit of it uh you don't have to make up the prayer for a little bit of it is what like the qadr dirham like maybe like a quarter or maybe a little bit bigger than a quarter that much or or less that's fine um if it's more than that, and and you know that you prayed with it, and it's in the prayer time, it's uh, uh, then you should repeat the prayer. If uh, uh, if if you're not able to wash it, or if you didn't know it was there or not, you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. If you're not able to wash it, then the requirement to have clean clothes is waived. And uh, um, if if you if you knew it was there and you prayed anyway, uh, then you should you repeat your prayer. If it's more than that small amount. Every, yeah, a quarter or a little bit bigger than a quarter, a little bit more than a quarter, maybe like a half dollar or something like that. Now, uh, um, that's for what? That's for blood and the things that are in the hukum of blood. As for urine, feces, uh, 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 vaginal discharge, or uh, semen, uh, all amounts of it, large and small, are are, are going to that, that you know you have to wash them out. You can't pray with them in, in there. If you know that it's there, it'll invalidate the prayer. If there's a shock, a doubt about it, whether it was there or not, you can take the benefit of the doubt. Or if you're unable to wash it out, then 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 that that, that condition is waived. But if you know it's there, then you have to then you have to do something. Now this happens, you know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who's not like a super suave and like uh, uh, altogether person, but sometimes a person uses the bathroom and whatever, they get startled, this happens, that happens, you have to, if you travel a lot, you use some really weird bathrooms, uh, not everyone, you know, there's a whole kind of, a lot of weird stuff that can happen in life that you don't want to talk to other people about, but it happens, so we should know the hukum of it, right? 
if for example you're in splatters on on your shirt or on your pants and you don't you don't know exactly where it is but you know it's like there's a good chance it's splattered in an area okay what you're supposed to do is you're ideally if you can run water over that whole thing and then wring it out that's the best thing to do if not then uh, uh, uh if it's so small that you can't really even see anything right then 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 wet your hand and flick the water on it and just r run your hand over it because the thing is that the the, the these hookums are these these rulings are ritual rulings so even if you can't microscopically remove every small part of urine, although urine is miscible in water, if you dip the whole thing and wash it, it'll be more or less gone. But, you know, even if you can't microscopically be sure that every part of it is gone, the fact that you used the clean water and ran your hand over it ritually will, will remove, the, remove the stain. Another hookum that's kind of similar to this is like when a person has blood, like blood gets into clothes, clothing, um, sometimes you wash it. Uh, but there's still some stain left. The part that's the part that will invalidate the prayer is the part that that you can wash out. Whatever little like faint stain is left afterward, that part is forgiven. That part is not in the hukum of blood. It's just some fraction of blood that's left left out. The nudges part of it is gone at that point. Uh, this is very difficult. For example, if you if you like, um, you, you ever live in Bangladesh for any significant significant amount of time? Maybe when I was. Kid. If it's anything like Pakistan and India, there are a lot of mosquitoes. Yeah. Okay. And, and sometimes so many mosquitoes that like you will like roll over and like you'll kill like 20 of them. And some of them have blood in them and there's blood stains everywhere. You know what I mean? Uh, so and like what are you going to do, right? If you're in Madrasa and you have to wash clothes by hand and things like that, there's no washing machine that you just throw the thing and cycle three, four times. If there's a little bit of residual stain after you wash the stain out, then it's 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 forgiven. It's not that yeah. part is not the nudges part. I know you're talking about. Yeah, but like, and a person, by the way, nets. You don't have the nets there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are great. That's the low tech is the best. All this like weird chemical and stuff people spray on each, on themselves and on each other. I try to avoid the smack out of them because they're just gonna end up giving you some sort of disease or like you know and mess with coils. your head. Yeah, burning the coils, just gonna go. Coils in like, the net combo, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I never roll over, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. You go to the bathroom, there's a mosquito there. And you smack it, you know it bit you before because yeah. it's, it's blood splattered. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, we have so much to be thankful for. Anyone who's like listening and they're like, I don't know what you know, like who lives in a place where there's no mosquitoes at night and no flies in the day. This is like you already a lot. I already gave you Jannah, man. Like in this world, it really like ruins your life. It's like so irritating. It's so irritating. It's so difficult to, to, to deal with. Allah Ta'ala really gave us a lot of blessing over here that we should be thankful for. So, you know, if the girl you're in love with isn't marrying you and you don't have the job that you want and you didn't get into medical school, so, you know, like if it was permissible, you'd commit suicide or whatever, and all this stuff is going wrong, there's always like a, a whole lot to be thankful for. Uh, and if you don't, if you're like, Sheikh, I still can't feel it, then go live in Bangladesh or Pakistan for, <laughs> for, for a year and then come back. <laughs> you don't even have to go to Madrasa. Just go shoot the breeze and then come back. And then, uh, you know, even that'll be a spiritual experience for you because, oh my goodness, how the flies make your day hell and the mosquitoes make your, make your night hell. Uh. Just water, no soap, right? Yeah, just uh, water is, yeah, soap is not necessary. Although if you did, that's 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 better because you'll get more of it out. Yeah, but, yeah. I refuse yeah. to go to summer months. Right? Hey, yo, man, you don't even have to go to Bangladesh. You just go to uh, 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 Minneapolis. Yeah. 
oh my goodness, like my kids, my kids go to Minneapolis once after the sunset, you know, you arrive in the daytime when there's no mosquitoes. Once the sun sets by fudger time, those kids look like they just got out of the ring with Tyson, man. They out, the faces all uh, uh, swollen up and like eyes and things like that from just from 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 just getting mosquito bit all over the place. That's what they say about Minnesota. They say that 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 the the, the there's two mos- there's two seasons, winter and construction, and the mosquito is a state bird. Otherwise, a very wonderful place to live. But the mosquitoes, oh my goodness. Them thousand lakes have like 10 million mosquitoes in them. وَلَا تُعَادُ الصَّلَاةُ إِلَّا مِنْ كَثِيرِهِ وَقَلِيلُ كُلِّ نَجَاسَةٍ غَيْرِهِ وَكَثِيرُهُ الصَّوَاءٌ So urine, feces, semen, uh, and vaginal fluid, uh, that is all... All of it has to be washed off, washed out little or, or a lot. And again, if you're not able to, it's forgiven. Or if there's some shuck, like later on you found it and there's some doubt whether it was there while you prayed or not, you can take the benefit of the doubt. But if you know it's there and you're able to wash it, got to wash it before you pray. This is another interesting thing that like, you should be very aware of your, your clothing, you know, how you use the bathroom, what your clothes, what clothes touch what. And if something happens, wash it with water. Uh, water is purifying and it's good for your spiritual hal not to wa- walk around with najasa on because it exposes a person to shaitan and to bad influences. Um, and like, don't be ashamed to wash out, wash out your clothes. Oftentimes, you know, this is why you have to like, know like tricks like, you know, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts have a bathroom that you can use that lock the door outside. You can take a cup of water. You can wash yourself after using the restroom. I'm not endorsing Starbucks corporate or ethical policies or Dunkin' Donuts for that matter. I'm just saying from a completely wudu point of view or you should know, you know, how to do these things. And, uh, you know, if, if you know, someone's going to walk, see that you have like a patch of like moist, like cl- clothing, right? Like you washed like some part of your, your pants or some part of your shirt, it'll dry out. It'll dry out. Don't worry, inshallah. You know, uh, you're not. You're no one's gonna post it on Facebook, and you'll never get married or whatever. You'll you'll get over it, inshallah. It's more important to be a clean person, and the one who's clean is the one who's clean with Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam inwardly and outwardly. Uh, so, uh, you know, don't be don't be dirty inwardly and don't be dirty outwardly. Don't walk around with najasa on your thing and say, Shaykh, Allah knows my heart is clean. Don't don't be one of those, inshallah. If your heart is clean, good for you. Uh, you know, the Nobel Prize is in the mail. Now clean your body as well, inshallah. And uh, uh, we'll be all good, inshallah. وَالدَّمُ الْبَرَاغِيثُ لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ غَسْلُهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَتَفَاحَشُ So the, the, the blood that comes from a mosquito or from a tick or from, from, uh, a, uh, from an insect bite, that blood is not in the same hukum as the blood that comes from you. So that much... Like so, you even more than a quarter will be fine. It's just that if you have so much of it in your clothes that it just like from a distance someone can see like what the heck is wrong with this person, then you have to wash it. But that is forgiven at a rate higher than 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 just your blood from a cut. Are we clear on that? Okay, that's good. That's the end of the Babul Jami' fil Quran. Inshallah, next week we'll start the the Sujudul Quran, the 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 Sajdas. Uh, from the Quran and how to deal with them. Are there any questions uh, regarding this week's lesson or other questions?
I'm going to go back to the uh, prayer time uh, mm-hmm. you was mentioning. Uh, so what what will be, uh, uh, you know, because we got plenty of massages out here, you know. But so, you know, um, in your opinion, what will be a, a, a masjid that you, you, will, will you, will, you will suggest to, to uh, make For- you want? Uh, you know. Oh, in the area? Yeah. Uh, no, mashallah. Um, you put me in a tight spot because now whoever I don't mention, they're going to be upset at me or whatever. It's okay. Generally, everybody's upset at me. Dar es Salaam is the closest masjid from where we are right now. Right. Okay. And Dar es Salaam, I completely trust that their Juma will be valid. Okay. The next closest masjid to where we are right now is probably uh, uh, MSI. And their their Juma is the times are are good, right? The reason the reason I, I, I not to like pick on MSI or pick on Wheaton or pick on Villa Park or any of these other places, but the reason that I I, I feel more confident in recommending Dar Salam is Dar Salam they they don't allow someone who's not a, a, a an alim to give khutbah. Whereas, you know, MSI is pretty good. Generally speaking, the ulama are the only ones who give the khutbahs, but they do give exceptions for people. And sometimes someone may mean very well, but if they're not a specialist in the law, then they may make mistakes with regards to the prayer. And the books of fiqh all say that that, that the, the meaning of the best person should lead the prayer is the one who has the most knowledge of fiqh, even if he only knows qul Allahu ahad. Why? Because the, the different surahs in the prayer don't affect the validity, whereas the knowledge of fiqh will affect the validity of the prayer. Uh, and if something is valid, at least in the madhab of the imam, it's valid, it's valid in some sense. Now, you know, this is another issue, which is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if he was with us right now, who would give the khutbah? Right? Are we going to have like a khutbah workshop if he's alive? Right? So in his absence, sallallahu alayhi wa who should give the khutbah? The one who is closest to him. Who is the warathatul anbiya? Right? The waratha, it's not, see the Prophet ﷺ, they didn't actually leave any inheritance behind. This is actually part of our, this is actually part of our, uh, our aqidah. That the Prophets don't leave inheritance behind. And this is an issue we talk, I've talked about in the tahawiyah. Have you attended my tahawiyah dars before? Right? That we believe that the Prophets, Anbiya are alive, that they're not dead. That they die in the sense that this life ends, but that they're alive. And we don't refer to them as dead. Just like the Quran says, not to say that the Shuhada are dead. We don't say that to, about the Anbiya We say he died, but that, that, that something happened that transitioned the Prophet life to the life of the Barzakh, but we don't consider them dead. Their bodies don't decay, and they're aware of what's going on around them. And this is part of our aqidah as well. And this is one of the reasons, uh, uh, Mahin, in case somebody asks you, you've been hanging out with too many Sufis or whatever, if you say this to them, say, why else is it that their, their mirath is not distributed? The inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ is not given to the next of kin because they're not dead. It is put into the Baytul Mal and it is property of the entire Ummah. Who are the ones who inherit the who are the ones who are the heirs of the prophets, right? The heirs, your heirs are your next of kin, your children, your wife, your husband, your father, mother, brothers, sisters, your cousins, your uncles. It's your next of kin. 
who did the Prophet Sallallahu uh, uh, refer to as uh, the Warathat uh, al-Anbiya, uh, the next of kin of the Anbiya? Who are they? The scholars. They're, and if that's the case, then they're the ones who should be giving the khutbah. Does it mean that the people who are mujahideen fi sabilillah are garbage and we don't respect them? No. Does it mean the people who donate money to the masjid, we don't respect them? No. We respect every khidmah. The person who cleans the toilet in the masjid is the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he's cleaning that toilet, if he does it with the correct niyyah. The person who sweeps the garbage and takes the garbage out, the person who cooks and gives food for a $5 box of biryani on Friday for uh, for the masjid, every one of these people are awliya of Allah ta'ala. But does it mean, oh, mashallah, you cooked biryani and put it in a styrofoam box, why don't you next week give the khutbah? No. But unfortunately, that's kind of where, we, where we're at right now. So that's that's why that's why so nobody feels offended or thinks I'm picking on them particularly or politically or whatever. This is one reason, mashallah, Dar Salaam is going to get a star on their chart. From you know, from from my point of view, is what is that they only have they only have people who are people who are mustanad. They have ijazat and fiqh and in hadith and and they understand Quran. They read tajweed. They did all of these things that that are prerequisites to not only making sure the prayer is valid, but that it's prayed in in a way that's as close to the sunnah as, as 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 physically possible and what's inside people's hearts we consign that between them and Allah ta'ala it's a secret that none of us were allowed to uh, that, that none of us are supposed to or able to or even allowed to try to speculate about and say oh sheikh i know someone he's not a alim but his heart is pure and i know a guy he's a alim he's corrupt and he's a munafiq maybe he is munafiq maybe he's the ra'isul munafiqin he's like he's not just a he's not just a president he's also a client client of nifaq right who knows Allah Ta'ala knows best, we're not allowed to speculate about that, and we're not going to be asked, how come you prayed behind somebody, didn't you know that the secret inside their heart is that they only were, you know, learning ilm in order to like, whatever, impress their girlfriend or whatever, right? That's that's not really none of our business, and that's not something we're going to be accounted for with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. But the outward knowledge, someone doesn't have it, they just don't have it. Yes? Uh, as far as Jummah goes, I, I my understanding is that, for example, that any, like a man who completely shaves his beard is considered an open sinner, is that... According to the Maliki school, a man who completely shaves his beard is considered an open sinner and it's haram to pray behind him. Okay. So if you were to like go to Jummah, right? That and, being said, yeah. to shave for one to shave their beard in the Shafi'i school yeah. is makru. Makru means detestable. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm not just I'm not saying that like, oh look, that's okay. It's not okay, it's just not haram, so we won't say they're an open sinner. Mm-hmm. So maybe it, if someone f- subscribes to that school you themselves, you can give them the benefit of the doubt. However, uh, the beard is a sunnah of the Prophet wasallam as well. People say, well, I know many people who have beards and they're horrible. Okay, the, you, that may be true, but it doesn't mean that, that you jettison the sunnah because of that, you know? So I'm not excited about somebody. And, if, you know, if you want to be a, a, a community leader and you want to give khutbah and things like that, if you can't, dedicate that much to the deen that you want to make your shakal like the shakal of the Prophet ﷺ outwardly, then how are we supposed to believe you're doing it inwardly? And uh, how are we, you know, like why, like why is this so important to you? Why do you got to give the khutbah? Just let someone else give the khutbah who's going to do it, you know? But unfortunately now, you know, people have figured this out, by the way. They figured this out. If I opened a club, no one's going to join it. If I opened a Pakistan association, Bangla association, people fight with me and whatever. If I if I become president of the masjid, however, I can get up on a pulpit and these people are out of the fear of God are ritually obliged to hear the nonsense that I spout so I can spout whatever I want to 
uh, and uh, that's kind of like a, 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 a bizarre curse that's you know visited our community. Uh, all I can say is if the people educate themselves enough to be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not down for this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the place where the the dean is being taken seriously. Um, then obviously those type of people won't have a platform anymore. But because the masjid is five minutes closer than the other masjid, and you know Bill at work, you know I'm ashamed to ask him for whatever. Then you know if as long as we're running weak wristed and weak sauce about all these things, then this uh, this type of this type of uh, captivity that the community has to these types of people is going to continue but you know that's cool for you if you immigrated from muslim community muslim country or from a strong muslim family you were born into you know you can survive that but if you're taking kids to places like that don't blame anybody else after 18 years if they're like yeah this uh, islam doesn't make sense my father was a muslim but i'm not really into it don't don't be all surprised act all surprised that that happened but practically speaking you walk in Dude on the minbar has no beard. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, alhamdulillah, I like take great pains to make sure that doesn't happen. The other, the other, yeah. What are you supposed to do? Uh, um, if you can make another juma, do it. Uh, if you know, again, people be like, "Oh, you're so judgmental, Sheikh. I don't have a beard. What are you saying? I'm a horrible." Person. I was just saying, but we're talking about the juma khutbah, man. You know, uh, uh, uh. You know, if you if you can't run the mile in less than ten minutes, then don't act like you know you're uh, uh, you know that people are being mean to you for your disability because they don't let you be on the Olympic team. Okay, you have your thing. Go do do what you want. You're a good human being. We love you. We kiss you. That's how much we hug you and kiss you. That's how much we love you. You don't have to give the Jummah khutbah though. Me saying that doesn't mean that I'm like treating you like garbage or whatever. You that's fine. You have your thing, wonderful. I, I, all of us have our, all of us have our shortcomings. Mashallah, I have so many shortcomings. Just like every dollar has like a hundred rupees in it, that's how many shortcomings I have compared to other people. But the idea is that you can't hold everybody hostage to those things. You know, I want, I want, I want to do some. I want to win the gold medal in. Uh, hundred meter dash so that I can serve you so everyone will see I have a beard and then I'll like say Allahu Akbar from the Olympic podium and it'll serve Islam it's not gonna happen just <laughs> pick something else man like that's that's not that's not offensive to say you know it might hurt a little bit like I want to be the first Pakistani in the NBA okay it's probably not gonna happen I'm not you know someone told me that they wouldn't be being a jerk they're just like giving me nasiha at that point you know so uh, uh, yeah, if you're if you're if your dean is not that much, then you know. And by the way, some people, to be very frank with you, we shouldn't rock around being judgmental. I know a couple of guys who like bonafide can't grow a beard. Like literally, they're like they're like two hairs on the side of their face. It just looks like they they skip shaving or they they were sloppy in their shave. That's really all the beard that they can have. So like like you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. One imam one time, some uh, uh, doofuses on Twitter got up on him for not having a beard and for not honoring the sunnah and the guy i know the guy's like a cancer victim he's getting he's getting chemo imam frozen in australia the guy's get, he's like he's mashallah he's a graduate of medina university and he he has cancer i remember meeting him and he's telling me about his chemo and stuff and these uh 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 whatever uh, uh type kids who make nisbah to our mashaykh and think they're like a big hero that's defending the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They're just acting like morons. 
uh, they're like one of the very few people, I, like Qadiani trolls I block on Twitter and like these types of guys I block on. I just block them. They're just, I just don't know how, what you have to do to like be so, so like just wrong that you're going to get up and clown someone and when they say, yo, I have cancer and I'm getting chemo and be like, no, that's they're just making excuses. I don't know where that comes from. So, yeah, okay, fine. We don't have to go out of our way to judge. But at the same time, uh, there's a balance between having husband of done of people and checking your brain in at the door. The former is a good thing. The latter is a bad thing. So uh, I, I take great pains not to not to not to go places where I, I you know I don't think they're going to take like the the the, the Juma khutbah really seriously. Honestly, the place that I pray the most in 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 Chicago where you can catch me, I, you, most Jumas I'm out of town. Uh, but the few Jumas that I am in town, I'll go to the Masjid Mustafa in Westmont because I know Milana Bilal will give the khutbah over there. So not only is it valid, he also says nice things, and you know I think very highly of him and and and. Uh, uh, have hope from Allah Taala that you know praying behind him is going to be uh, somehow superior and and and, and somehow acceptable uh, to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, so you know, and that's the way really we should think about this. Instead of thinking about it like, oh, this guy he ain't on the menhaj and this and that. And you know, we all we may clown people like that, but what do you do when the guy actually isn't on the menhaj? You know what I mean? Right? There's a point that it breaks down. Okay, I'm not being judgmental or whatever, but okay, you just invited Qadiani to give Jum'ah or whatever. It, it, these types of things, if they they have happened, and they will happen more and more as time goes on. You'll see it happen more and more. They have happened. Um, what do you do then, right? Am I being like a, a, a Salafi Wahhabi, this and that, and the other curse words that people give to like uh, people who are trying to follow their deen? Uh, uh, no, you're, you're actually like using your brain and be like, yeah, this is wrong. Uh, instead of looking at that way, uh, a way of 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 saving yourself from being put in that position is what? A man who prayed tahajjud for the last 40 years, if he oversleeps, he'll at least wake up in time for fajr, right? If you want to have your Jummah khutbah be beautiful with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then don't look for what's closest to you, look for what's the best. If you're trying to go and pray behind those people who have the most knowledge and who Allah knows best what's in their heart but seem to you to be the most pious and seem to you to be those people who most resemble the Prophet ﷺ in their character and in their conduct and in their outward appearance and in their way they deal with people and in their ulum, then you'll save yourself from all of this other... Then you won't like walk into Jummah and be like, oh, dude, this the dude doesn't have a beard or he's a Qadiani or whatever. And the two are not the same. They're very different things. But I'm just saying there are two things that are suboptimal when you walk in. You save yourself from a hundred other problems. And not only that, your Jummah is like, inshallah, going to be really good. Uh, and you will find that the Ruhaniya, that Mubarak hour, there's so much spirituality in it. And there's so much nur in that, in that Mubarak hour uh, 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 that descends on the place. And the tawajjuh of Allah's mercy comes down in that place. And the tawajjuh of Allah's rahmah and, uh, and forgiveness comes down. His maghfirah comes down on that place. And if uh, uh, you know that person who's on the pulpit is a person of, of knowledge and nur and of, of, of rahmah themselves, then you'll get even a, a greater portion of it, inshallah, uh, in that place. Uh, so, you know, it's... Uh, um, you know, if you know you're gonna, if you know you're gonna win the lottery, you may as well play for like a billion instead of for a million. You know, uh, uh, and that's uh, that's that's a, a reality. I guess some people get it, some people don't.
Barakallahu feekum sallallahu ta'ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ajma'in.